Good afternoon, everybody joining us on Facebook Live or on SoundCloud or on our podcast. We're so glad to have you today. We talk about marriage, sex, singleness, and divorce. You know what? Let's have the impressive clergyman start this out for us. This is the Deep End. The Deep End Podcast. Welcome to the Deep End Podcast, brought to you by Waters Church in North Attleboro, Massachusetts. The Deep End is where we go deeper in the scriptures to empower our walk with God. If you're watching on Facebook Live, we're glad you joined us, and we encourage you to be a part of the conversation in the comments below. If you're listening in on SoundCloud or your podcast app, be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Let's go live to Pastor Tim Hatch as we get started with today's podcast. This is The Deep End. Okay, let's get into the text, everybody. Here's what it says, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He says, Now concerning matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But because of the temptation to sexual morality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and the, and likewise the wife to her husband. How many think it's cool that the Bible has the word conjugal? <laughs> First, uh, moving on. First four. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another. And when he says that, he's talking about sex. Do not deprive one another from sex, except perhaps... And this is only a maybe by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now, as concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all men were as I am, but each has his own gift from God. One has this kind, another has another Mm. kind. To the unmarried and to the widows, I say it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. We'll talk about that line in just a moment. To the married, I give this charge, not I, but the Lord. The wife should not separate from her husband. But if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And the husband should not divorce his wife. To the rest, I say, I, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and she consents to live and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy by uh, is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? And that is the text that we are dealing with today. Amen. Lots of good stuff that Paul is going to address concerning marriage, singleness, divorce, um, self-control, sex, all that kind of stuff. And that's what we're talking about. Now, Paul covers a gamut of issues here regarding these 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 very difficult topics. I, I like to say this, Chris, that 1 Corinthians is like the frequently asked questions of the Bible. Right. The FAQ. And the reason why is because he keeps saying in this letter back to the Corinthians, okay, now about this that you talked to me about and about this that you wrote to me about and about this question that you mm-hmm. had for me. And he's going to talk about that and he's going to do that continually throughout this letter from here on out. But here he's addressing um, marriage, singleness, and divorce because they had written to him in a letter that we don't have in, in our records, sure. but we can, we can suppose what was in the letter to Paul from the church in Corinth about these these issues. Every church and every person, every generation and every human who's engaged in being a human <laughs> has had challenges uh, regarding sexuality, divorce, marriage, and there's a lot of confusion in culture. And, sure. you know, the non Christian culture has tons of wrong answers and bad options for you. Yeah. And we talk about this all the time and we want to get into uh, uh, all that uh, today. And one one thing I want to cover real quickly about the context of of, Cor- of the Corinthian church, and this is important, is that it had two sides uh, that came down on the sexual immorality 
issue. The first side said, well, it's part of our appetite. Like last week, we talked about this. It's part of our appetite. Uh, sex is a bodily function, so you should just go ahead and have sex uh, as you wish, and God will forgive you, and uh, all things are lawful for me. That was last week. Remember that, Chris? Mm-hmm. And those I call those the adapters, Christian adapters to culture. They adapt to whatever cultures. Oh, this is what culture says about sex? Okay, we'll believe that too. Right. Oh, this is what the government says now about sex? Okay, we'll believe that too. Those are called Christian adapters. Then on the other side, we um, uh, I call them Christian avoiders. <laughs> and so they're on the other end of the they're on the other end of the spectrum and they go to the opposite extreme and they say, "Oh, culture does that. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to avoid it 100%. Yeah. We're not going to even talk about it. We're not going to even say it's a good thing." And so in Corinth, and it's funny how in every generation this has happened, in Corinth, there were the adapters and then there were the avoiders. The adapters said, we'll do whatever the culture says. The avoider says, we're going to walk away from it completely. And Paul in 1 Corinthians 6 talked to the adapters and said, no, you don't adapt to cultural mores about sex. Sure. And in chapter 7, what we're going to talk about today, he's going to talk to the people who want to avoid it. So let's look at it. Verse 1. Now concerning the things you wrote about, these are their words to him. Note the quotes. It is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. Those were the words they wrote to Paul. So please don't think that Paul is saying it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. That's not what he's saying. That's what the avoiders were saying in Corinth. And then he says, because the sexual morality and the temptation there, each man should have his own wife. In other words, the answer to the sexual morality problem in your culture, Christian, is not to avoid sex altogether, is get married. Get married to a woman if you're a man. Get married to a man if you're a woman and have sexual relations within that context. Mm-hmm. This is so very much relevant to the issues of today with the Me Too movement, hashtag Me Too movement, uh, the Time's Up movement, um, all the people getting found out for sexual assault, Uh, They just sentenced the guy in the U.S. gymnastics team yesterday. There was a big to-do. Oh, that's horrible. Horrible situation. I can't imagine the pain that those girls went through. Hundreds, right? Yeah, hundreds. hundreds. Disgusting. Uh, With the Harvey Weinsteins of the world. And then now, yesterday, this news broke about Aziz Ansari. Oh, I used to love him. He's a comedian, very talented individual. Sure. But there was an article that came out about him yesterday or the day before, I'm not sure, of uh, accusations of a sexual assault because he had this encounter in his apartment with a woman who now writes the article and says, here was the nightmare experience of sexual assault that I had with Aziz Ansari. Mm. But there's a problem because some people, and this is not Christians now, we're talking about non-Christians out in the world, the context of our culture, that are saying, okay, well, we've read the article, and basically you consented every step of the way physically with this guy. Right. Then you woke up the next morning and hated every moment of it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And, and so there are people in the culture who are saying, that's not sexual assault. When yeah. you consent, consent, consent sexually and visually uh, or, or physically with the guy, and then suddenly wake up and regret it, and then you feel bad about it, and it made you uncomfortable, uh, they're saying that's not sexual assault. Now. Let me make one thing clear. I am not siding with Aziz Ansari right. or, his, or his detractors. That's not the, the point that I'm trying to make. Mm. What I'm saying is we live in a sexually immoral culture. We live in a sexually pervasive culture. We live in a sexual saturated culture. And what has it produced? What has the sexual revelation of American 1960s produced? It has produced same-sex marriage. It has produced rampant divorce. It has produced a hookup culture. It has produced sexual sexuality confusion. Am I gay? Am I straight? Am I bisexual? It has produced uh, gender confusion. Am I a man? Am I a woman? And now we have something new. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to consent confusion. Yeah. (laughs) Did I give him consent or did I not? Did he take advantage of me or did we have a, a, a consensual sexual affair? And now there's a bunch of confusion about that. And the world has no answer for this and they don't know what to do with this. And they're all stressed out about is this assault? Is this not assault? And so do you know what the answer is? Here's the answer. Give it. Each man have his own wife. Right. Period. You want to avoid all this nonsense. You want to avoid all this mess. You want to avoid all this craziness that you see out there. Get married and have sex with that one person for the rest of your life or their life. Period. And if everybody in culture did that, (laughs) these questions would not be there. These problems, these confusions would not be there. But because, again, sex saturation immorality, saturation in every area of our world, we have all this confusion. Yeah. 
You guys want to say anything about that? That's true. It yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. Uh, that whole Azar thing reminds me even of the Kobe Bryant thing a few years back. If you remember, it was the same thing. It was. Yeah, it was the same. I remember regretting that. Regretting after, yeah. after mm-hmm. the fact. And he uh, committed adultery. and uh, Sure. Then it was accused that he had raped her. Right. But then they went to court and it came out that it, you know, it was consensual sex. Yeah. And, and the answer is, uh, you know, is don't have sex yeah. outside of marriage. Stay home with your wife. <laughs> Stay home with your wife yeah. and, and, and rejoice. So let's get back into 1 Corinthians chapter 7 because, again, Paul is, and don't miss this. If you, don't, if you miss everything else, please don't miss this. The context of what Paul's about to say is that he's addressing the people. Right who were saying, you know what, because of all that sexual morality out there, let's just avoid sex altogether. And so what they were also doing, and this is kind of crazy, is they were telling people who were married not to have sex. Yeah. <laughs> they were telling people, oh, if you avoid sex, you're more spiritual. You know, and there's always this temptation in the church. There's always this temptation in the church to put a rule where God does not put a rule. And to go to extremes, and right? And to go to extremes. Far extremes. Yeah. Isn't you know. that where the monks... Came in, yeah. yeah. How that all came into place. Yes, monks and priests. nuns and priests who can't marry now. Yeah. Although that was a property issue, if you do the church history yeah. study, the church didn't want, know what to do with the property of their priests. Once they died, they didn't want to leave it to the children, so they told them, "Okay, don't get married anymore. <laughs> no marriage, no children." Mm. And and that hasn't worked out very well either, in yeah. many respects. Um, marriage is a good thing. It's a God thing. Proverbs eighteen twenty two. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Proverbs 5.18, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Cheryl, you were talking about the Hebrews passage. Hebrews um, 13. I think it's Hebrews 13. I'm not sure. Uh, but, Hebrew, yep, Hebrews 13. I can read it. It says, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. And then the message translation says, honor marriage, guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between wife and husband. God draws a firm line against casual and illicit sex. Mm. So again, the phrase there, though, is let it be honored. Mm-hmm. Right. This is a good thing. Paul would never say marriage is a bad thing. And so don't miss the quotes in verse 1 around their words to Paul, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations. That's what they were saying. Right. And so Paul, in response, says, no, sex is actually a safe place for you to have sexual expression in um, marriage. I'm sorry. Marriage is a safe place for you to have sexual expression one with another. And this is proper. This is the proper response to a sexually immoral culture mm-hmm. all right the lie that some churches buy into and this happens with not just sex and not just marriage but with a host of other things is that because the culture distorts something the church must avoid that thing completely don't listen mm-hmm. to rock and roll don't listen to music how about not just mute not just rock and roll music or movies or hollywood well, or, those yeah. are extreme Ex- yeah. extreme like, views but right. you do hear they're yeah. out there yeah. and this yeah. is what was happening in court do you know that uh, max lucado i love this guy he's a great christian writer max lucado oh yeah and he was part of a church that comes out of a movement they aren't like this anymore but that um they didn't even let musical instruments into their building yeah wow they mm-hmm. sang acapella even though David used musical <laughs> instruments, right? In yeah. the Old Testament. That's because they probably had bad musicians. Maybe. It was offensive to the ears. <laughs> but here's what happens. We Christians, we get so nutty. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. We get so nutty. And we go to extremes because we don't know, oh, what do we do? Oh, So we avoid everything. And that's never the answer. No. Everything that God created is good, the Bible Amen. says. And it, is being, and it is made to be received with thanksgiving. Right. And properly used. So don't get into this, oh, it must be sinful because it's pleasurable. No, it's pleasurable. It must be good. But there's around everything, there's rules. There's standards. Yeah. Um, some Christians avoid certain foods because they're Christians. Oh, my so least favorite so kind of Christians. You know, <laughs> these, these vegans out <laughs> these there. These vegans. Shame on them. <laughs> How dare they? <laughs> you know, full disclosure, I'm a vegan. Okay, I'm a part-time wow. vegan. <laughs> Cheryl, do you have a response to that? Part-time. Part-time vegan. And, or, you know, um, certain dress styles. Avoid it. 
completely because it's evil. No skinny know? jeans. No, you know, yeah. or or no skirts. I'm sorry, oh, no yeah. pants for women. In my mom's day, it was no pants for women. I don't know if your or mom. No makeup. No makeup. No makeup. Yeah. Um, head coverings. Head coverings. Oh, so what we do, and this is classic Christians, is we don't read the Bible properly, so we make assumptions. And then we outlaw stuff. Yeah. And we either become an avoider or an adapter. Which one are you? Are you an avoider or an adapter? With sexual morality especially, are you an adapter? Oh, well, the world says this is right now, so I'll do it. Cohabitation is right now. That's what they're saying. Even the movies say. Every movie, they move in together at the end instead of getting married now. Well, that must be good, so let me do it. You're an adapter. Or are you an avoider? Which means I'll just totally write off sex and dating and marriage and the whole thing completely because it's such a mess. No. That is not what Paul's saying. So then he says this in verse 3. The husband should give to his wife sex and the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body. The husband does in the body of the husband. He doesn't have authority. Don't deprive each other. And so again, in the context of the Corinthian uh, church, the issue was that these people were saying even to married people, stop having sex because if you stop having sex, then God will really speak to you. I mean, that's such a lie that uh, is so pervasive in so many respects, and it's just terrible. Oh, we got a question. We do? Well, let me just finish this, and then okay. we'll get to it. So Paul is not saying, um, and, and this might be misinterpreted by some people, uh, the wife doesn't have authority over her own body, the husband does, and the husband doesn't have authority over his own body, the wife does. And some people will say, okay, now that gives me the right to demand sex from my spouse. Okay, no, that's not what it's saying. Again, Paul is addressing a certain context in Corinth. I know. I was just going to comment on that. Yeah. Because I think men tend to read that scripture differently than women do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you think, Cheryl? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and again, the principle, yes, is there that you should give yourself bodily to your spouse. You shouldn't withhold sex. But the extreme should not then be taken. Okay, men, this is God's word for you to demand sex from your wife. That's not what he's saying. He's addressing the fact that some in Corinth, the avoiders in Corinth were saying, to be really spiritual, avoid all sex. No. Paul right. is saying that's that's an extreme. Stay away from that. Yeah. Okay, so question. No, no. No question. No, not currently. It was a false alarm. False alarm false question. Alarm. False alarm. Woo, woo, woo. All right, so he says, um, but but and this should be talked about, Cheryl. You know, the the fact of the matter is is that marriage is the place to have proper sexual expression. Yeah. It is a good thing. It is a godly thing. Uh, heterosexual marriage. A pastor he does a lot of marriage conferences. And remember, I think he told us one time he talks about these pastors who who have falling outs. And by that he means they fall into adultery. And what he told us is that ninety nine percent of the time. The wife of the pastor was withholding sex. Right. Was not having sex with the man. Actually, he says it right here in verse 5. He says, so that you don't get tempted, you know. Yeah. Um, please, please, please don't put this on your husband that because he's a Christian now, he has to completely control his sexual urges. And for him to desire you sexually has to just be, you know, restrained. And you're setting your husband up for failure. Because a man needs sex. Is it just well, I feel like they spiritualize everything. Like women some women do. do. Like yeah. sometimes that's why they become like that yeah they they think sex is dirty or maybe sex is not godly god gave us these parts of our body that are switched on and switched off certain ways okay and so you know to deprive yourself or your spouse i'm sorry your spouse of sex is never god's way this does not happen in my marriage my wife thank god praise you jesus for sure she does not say oh you're you're a christian and you're a pastor and wives who are out there. And I'm just saying this. No, no, no. I'm just saying this because. Too much information, Cheryl. <laughs> no, but, uh, we are, we're adults uh, in here. Come on. Embarrassing. We're talking about marriage. Okay. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, you know, it's not, it's not fitting for you wives to do this. You're, you're asking your husbands to basically say, I got to get it somewhere else. Yeah. And, yeah. and they don't. The they don't. I'm telling you as a man, they don't have the capacity. Women are mothers. Ooh, that's good. We are. This is why Cheryl's here, everybody. We do, you know. Have we, jobs as well. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And they're busy as well. Yeah. And, and they're it's tired. Not, it's not a de- deprivation thing. No. It's like you're just exhausted, for Pete's sake. <laughs> 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 I'm not talking personally at all. 
<laughs> okay, yes, that's true. And so thank you, Cheryl's perspective is very valuable here because I see it from the man's perspective. I was in the bath <laughs> trying to take a nice bath, and I had my son's mouth underneath the door frame. I know you're in there. <laughs> and husband, so again, what's the Christian response here, though? The Christian response is consider well the other person. Husbands, like Cheryl said, we need to consider that, yes, they're crazy busy. The kids go to them most of the time. They're exhausted. They're doing a lot more work around the house. I think this is a pretty much a fact. Most, By and large, women do a lot more work around the house than men do. But at the same time, my perspective men, for men, and I would speak to the women, is you know, you can't expect your husband to just get along without it for months at a time. It's not right. Now, you know, you no, got to you got to have agreement here in your marriage and you have to have open discussion about it and men you have to be honest with your spouse and your wives and say, "Listen, honey, I, I need to have sex more often. Uh, we need to we need to work this out." And it sounds very unromantic and I get that to be very, you know, I don't know. Blunt. You Blunt say? about this. Schedule, schedule. Again, that perhaps? sounds unromantic, right? But, Let's schedule it. But, but it I don't know. Sense. Maybe for some of you, that is the way. Schedule it. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like a date, that's all. Yeah. So I would say that there's got to be, though, the Christian response is, I agree to love you and care for you and comfort you and keep you and do all those things. And so I've got to lay down my life for you. Right. I have to submit here. Wives have to submit. Husbands have to say, you know what? I can't put this on her all the time. There are some men out there that want it twice a day, three times a day. My gosh, come to reality, man. Yeah. You can't expect that. Um, and then there are some wives who say, no, you got to get along without it for weeks and months at a time. And that is also unrealistic. Again, going to two extremes, right? Like extremes. Exactly. Whatever the culture says or whatever. Yeah. Being super spiritual. Yeah. And so Paul then says, don't deprive, verse five. Let's put that up on the screen again. Don't deprive each other, except, and this is the only reason why you should deprive sex in your marriage, by agreement. So you both agree that you won't have sex, and only for a limited time, and only for prayer. So, yeah, you can make it that, okay, we're going we're gonna to fast from sex because we want to have a spiritual moment with God. We want God to speak, but maybe you want to think about moving. You want to take a new job. You need to fast, pray about a big decision in your life, whatever. That is... Really, the only issue, uh, the the only solution Paul has, the advice Paul has here from for uh, people who are married who are struggling in this situation, don't deprive each other because you cannot control the temptation. Okay. Yes. Uh, where is your wedding ring? Who are you talking? That's just talking a question. I don't know. It's just an open up question. Me? Where's my wedding ring? I don't know. That's it's your just question. A, do I don't you, have it on. Either right one now. of you have it on. I have okay, so on. Cheryl wins. Shoot, I don't have. I got caught. I'm sorry. I. <laughs> 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 you, sp- you were at the gym this morning and had to take it That's off. That's right. I was at the gym. For, yes. No, I'd like to, to, to make sure my body was in good shape for Cheryl. That's right. Sure. <laughs> okay. Anyway, can I get to the big point here? Yes, please. The big point is don't let Christian. This is a big point for all Christians. Don't let worldly distortions of the good thing God gives us cause us to avoid them altogether. Amen. Amen. Like, don't. Amen. All right. Yes, the world is always going to distort God's things, but then don't say, "Oh, I can avoid it now." No, there's good ways to have it, Chris. Um, so, how do I stop being an avoider after you've become one? Example: an abusive ex-husband. Now you don't want to date or something like that. Oh, that's a you know that's a that's a difficult situation. It's a behavioral. But I would say that not all men are jerks like that. Not all men are abusers, and there's a lot of good guys out there. Yeah. So don't paint all the other guys with the same brush. I think the big point applies to you here because men are a good thing and, mm. and you need to see that men are a good thing. Uh, Christian men yeah. are a good thing. Yeah, exactly. A right. couple more Some questions. Yeah. Some, but you know, okay, yeah, but uh, Cheryl, like, right, what's the, what's the litmus test? Like right. he goes to church. He loves the Lord. He actively serves. He's engaged in the Christian faith. He's not just going through the motions. Yeah, you mm-hmm. see the fruits of the Spirit. You know, you yeah, you see that there's fruitfulness in his life. He's not just, you know, mouth giving lip service to right. Christianity. Yeah. So you need to say, look, maybe in my heart I have lo- I've allowed my bad experience with this one guy to cause me to paint all guys with this terrible brush. 
and you can't do that. That's not fair. That's distorting. That's letting the worldly distortions, the worldly distortion there being yeah. your husband's bad treatment of you, to cause you to avoid all the other oh. men out there, uh, many of whom are Christians. Many of those Christians are good men mm. and need to let God heal your heart completely in this area. God, I'm going to let you use that terrible situation now to help me more, uh, more. Um, I don't know what you want to say, discerningly find the next, the, the right but person. sometimes marriage, right after you've had a bad experience, isn't always the answer either. Oh, yeah. You know, time to heal. Into, Definitely. Yeah, exactly. You need time to so heal. You need time to maybe heal. Maybe being an avoider, if that's the word to use, is yeah. not such a bad thing. But, she, but her too. question was, how do I stop being an avoider? Yeah, so that's, so. this is how I would say, this is how you stop, is you got to let, let this move. Get Don't let that one experience Defi- yeah, define, define men for you for the rest of your right. existence. I do have two more questions. Go ahead. I figured there would be a lot of questions. Yeah. So um, I refreshed and found some. Uh, How do we have the conversation of the importance of a heterosexual monogamous relationship with people who do not look at the Bible with the same authority we do? Uh, Are there other arguments to use or do we need to steer these people towards believing in the Bible first? Yeah. You need Jesus before you can follow Jesus, right? Sorry you to need, answer that. No, but, yeah. yeah, you're right, though. You need G- This is a scriptural principle. So if you take the Bible personally, per, uh, seriously and you say it is the, the path for life and it is the way we should live, the New Testament, the New Testament, we don't, <laughs> we don't take Leviticus and live that out. But um, uh, if you take it seriously, you have to understand that the scriptures are teaching you that unless your heart and your, unless, unless you are born again, Jesus says to Nicodemus, Unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. When you are born again in your spirit and God has given you new birth, you start to see the kingdom of God. That means you start to see the Bible as the word of God. You start to see it as authority. You start to see it as the truth. And if people don't see the Bible that way uh, and they say they're Christians, I would question whether they are born again. I would question whether they are really truly converted to the faith. They may be Christian in name. They may be Christian in designation. They were raised in a Christian church. They went to a Christian church when they were kids. They got confirmed when they were kids, whatever. But they never truly had their spirits uh, converted. Now think about this for a second, because Jesus says, unless you were born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven, to one of the most religious people of his day, Nicodemus. Right. Mm-hmm. Nicodemus was a ruler of the Pharisees. And, he even, and Jesus is even shocked because he doesn't get it. He says, you're a ruler. You're a teacher of Israel, and you don't get these things. Right. The point that Jesus is making is it's very possible to go through all the religious movements That's and to good. even become a religious professional and not have a conversion experience with God. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of Christians out there, Christians in name only, who mm. say, well, I just don't take the Bible that seriously. Well, you might not be a Christian. I'm sorry. But Jesus took the scriptures exceedingly scriptural uh, seriously. So, yeah, basically I would say and introduce them to Christ, and yeah. then all these other things will work themselves out. Yeah, and then don't throw your pearls to swine, Yeah, which right. is don't get into endless arguments with people who just want to debate. I mean, we've been there, right, Cheryl? Sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh. yeah waste your time yeah. with a fool, right? They're out there, and they just they never stop. And they kind of want to just cause you to get all anxious and, and sure. yeah, exactly. worked up so that they can deny the faith because you have, I don't know, you've gotten angry with right. them or whatever. Right. Give them an excuse. So I would say pray for them, and like you said, Chris, lead them to Jesus. That's yeah. good. Yeah. That's good. Talk to them about Jesus. Have you really submitted your life? Like, see, people think that I raise my hand, I'm a Christian, right. even in our building. I raise my hand, I'm a Christian. Okay, yeah, uh, we ask for that, but have you submitted your whole life into his hand? Which means yeah. that now he has the right to tell you how to live. And one good way to see that is, have you been baptized, right? You're following the first commandment That's right. of Jesus. You know, yeah. it's That's one, one of, of his, ways, yeah. you know, one of the ways, ways, definitely. But I would, I would say if you're wondering, are you a Christian and you raise your hand, have you taken that step? Yeah. So, and but baptism does not save you. Just to make that right, that is a visual illustration because you are submitting to you're submitting to the command of Christ, a command of Christ. Another question. I do have another one. Uh, Let's see if we can. So, I was told recently by a Catholic person that no matter what I do, I'm still wrong in God's eyes. Reason is, I've been with my wife for 25 years, but for the first 11 years, we had sex and had kids, and uh, and. Yeah, uh, but we have been married now for 14 years, so are we right or wrong in God's eyes? 
I'm a bit confused by the question. Yeah, so it sounds like they were living together for many years, had children of out of wedlock, but then got saved and then got married. So well, God has forgiven them. Right. Yeah, I yeah, wouldn't say that. And, you know, that's just one Catholic, and there might be another Catholic who'll say something different. And yeah. yeah, we're not blaming the Catholics. I'm not blaming that the one. Catholics. No, but I would just say, the, look, you've done the right thing now. Yeah, right. you've, you've gotten on. married. Right. And, and uh, I can't say, I couldn't say that there's anything better you could have done with that bad situation. It sure. was a wrong exactly. situation. Yeah. And we've all made those, some kind of mad, bad decision. But that but isn't even like right. the God we serve. He, he no. Has, you, what did, what did this read? Right. Name? He said, I'm wrong forever. Forever. Yeah. Right. That's no. not even. Yeah. No. God forgives you of your sins, past, present, and future. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And uh, so that's bad theology. And bad theology causes many uh, lives to be corrupted. And mm-hmm. I, I'm so sorry that somebody did that in the name of Christ to you. And. I can't think. I can't think of anything better to do that when you're in a bad relationship like that, which is cohabitation, to then get married and say we got to do this God's way. That's and what we ask you to he, do. They're not alone. Many people have done the exact same thing. And Many, are yeah. We same. have leaders in our church today exactly. who, when they first came to Christ, they were living together, and then they got convicted, and they said, "Oops, yeah. this is what God says." Okay, let's get That's married, right. and you know, God forgives them and elevated them spiritually, and they're some of the most gifted people in our yeah, church. because yeah. you're now obeying God. Yeah. And those questions come up in starting point, which is great, too. The yeah. questions on divorce, living together, stuff like that. Any more questions? Uh, I, did God mention the problems with homosexuality in the New Testament? Uh, yes, First Timothy 1, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, again, we talked about this last week in the yeah. podcast, Matthew chapter 19, uh, Matthew chapter 5. When Jesus talks about marriage, he talks about one man, one woman. Uh, does he talk about the problems, meaning the health problems? No, it doesn't mention that. I right. mean, you got to think about the scriptures too, as these are historical documents. These are historical documents that humankind has written down for the good of humankind. Right. The Jewish people, obviously, have written it down. And so when they talk about homosexuality and these sex outside of marriage, there's no shortage of evidence that these forms of sexuality are physically detrimental to human living. Right. So. Please understand that the Bible, yes, is the God of, words, word of God, but it's also the words that God used through men who saw over the course of thousands of years that cultures that embraced this stuff did not last, did right. not flourish. It hurts people. Mm-hmm. Another question? Yeah. Uh, yeah, a couple more, actually. Uh, so uh, this one has a personal... Let's see. Any advice for older singles, 40 plus, and how to control that need but also wait for marriage if that is God's will and if not... How do you fight that urge if your calling is to be single? Well, I, I, Paul, well, Paul writes, it's a gift for some, and not all have this gift. So That's the very next verse we're talking about, yeah. verse 6. Yeah. And that's one that I hold on to. Yeah, let's get into I, that. So why don't you... Well, let's get into it. Let me read it sure. again, because yeah. it's up on the, we'll put it on the screen. And this is actually the, the answer. He says, now as a concession, not as a command, I say, I wish that all were my, as myself, um, as I myself am. In other words, Paul was married. Right. And there's some scriptural evidence that you can say he was probably married, but he was either a widower or divorced. We don't know. This is one of the great mysteries of the church. When you get to heaven, you can ask Paul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he, but each kind has, but each person has his own gift from God. One has this kind, another has this kind. So in other words, there's the gift of singleness that some people can remain single. And there's the gift right. that you, you can't remain single. You have to be married. And he says this to the unmarried and to the widows. I say it is good for them to remain as single as I am. But if they can't exercise Self-control, they should marry, mm. for it is better to marry than to burn with lust, uh, passion. And here's what I would say, uh, and then you can talk to this too, Chris, which is uh, if you want sex because you had sex before, right? and, and this is what he's talking, this yeah. is the people he's talking to, you had sex before because you were married, and you had, and you had this regular sexual life, and you awakened love in that, that sexual part of you, and you need it again. Well, you got to get married again. Right. You got to do everything possible to find a nice Christian person to marry. I mean, just you got to do some stuff. You can't sit there and pray and wait for God to <laughs> give it to you. Yeah, it, it might, doesn't work that way. It doesn't well, work that way. I've been trying. Yeah, yeah. trying to pray every day. <laughs> so, like, my advice, here's my advice pastorally for you is get into a small group of Waters Church and start meeting people. I say this jokingly from the pulpit, but I mean it's it. It's true. Start meeting people in the church. I mean, Cheryl and I, we met in the church. I I saw her, and I wanted, I wanted to date her. I wanted to be around her. And, right. and so I went after this possibility. And so you've got to get yourself out there. If you have a serious problem with passion in this department, you don't have the gift of singleness. Right. And yeah, that's the answer. <laughs> if, if you have that passion, then you don't have the, the gift of singleness. 
Yeah, and uh, unfortunately for me, I run a men's small group, so that doesn't work. Right. Um, but there are other ways, but too. there are other Start ways to volunteer and get more involved in the church. We have so many people, you know, that yeah. go to Waters Church. I see new faces every single weekend. Yeah, so. we have a guy who, who lost his wife a couple of years ago. And yeah. uh, you know what he did? And I love this. He yeah. mourned for many, a couple of years. Mm-hmm. He mourned for her. And, and he was just a great, he's, he is a great guy. Yeah. And he started to go to the gym. Once the morning was starting to <laughs> subside, yep. he started to go to the gym, started to eat right, started to get himself, you know, dressed right and all this stuff. Because when you're married, you tend to <laughs> neglect these sure. things. Everybody does. And and now, and then, you know what? He meets a girl at Waters Church and uh, he got married to her a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, beautiful story. A beautiful story. Mm-hmm. And so, you know what? Do some work. Maybe you need to work on yourself. Yeah. Maybe you need to get more involved in church. Maybe you need to. And and what I'm really just saying is don't sit there and wait for God to drop them into your right. car on the way to the wedding chapel. <laughs> and just to speak on small groups. I mean, the first small group I was ever at at Waters Church, I went to two weddings from that first small group. You know, oh, so, well. um, yeah, yeah, I won't name names again. But, yeah, two good friends of mine got married from that small group. So I do have another question. Yep. Let's see how I change subject. Uh, so if you were a devout Christian in the past, but you strayed for a while and now are a devout Christian again, mm-hmm. does that make you a born-again Christian? Ooh. Well, yeah, I would say you were born again. The and first and time. you were a prodigal, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, prodigal son. The prodigal son, and listen to this, this is theologically correct. Okay, the prodigal son is never not the son. Right, that's good. He's the, he's the son when he leaves, he's the son in his stupidity, and he's the son when he comes home. Right. So, you know, this, it does happen. It's not a good thing. Um, the, the prodigal son, think about the consequences of his actions. He lost everything. Yeah. He uh, was abused and left for dead pretty much because he was feeding pigs. But God brought him back. You know, the father brought him back, and the father will bring you back. Um, the, the important point, though, is not to say, wow, was I not saved at that point, or was I saved? The important point right now is you, are, you have today. You have today to hear God's voice, listen to it, and obey it. Mm. Mm-hmm. So the, Paul says God gives both singleness and marriage as gifts to certain people. If you have passions you cannot control, you do not have the gift of singleness, period. I don't care what you've read. I don't care what somebody spoke over you in prophetic words. Watch out for those prophetic words from other Christians. If you need sex, you got to get married. That's God's way for you to have proper sexual experiences. Yeah. Okay? Verse 90 says, if you cannot control, exercise self-control, the, the phrasing here in Greek, in the literal Greek translation is, if they are not exercising self-control, which means these people were messing around. Right. So it's not that they, they're, they're, they were messing around is evidence that they cannot remain single. Yeah. And uh, that's what I would say to many people. I mean, if you're trying to toe the good line as a good soldier of Christ and stay celibate, with these, with these urges, and you think that that's being very spiritual, you might be falling into the avoider trap. Uh, don't fall into the avoider trap. Be actively searching out someone to marry. And mm. you've got to pray that God opens your mind here, opens your heart, and, and get out there and, and get going. There's lots of uh, single people at Waters Church. There you know? are. Lots. Yeah, we have a good-looking church, too. Great-looking church. Yeah. <laughs> Beginning with Sharon and myself. There you go. Starts up top, trickles <laughs> down. Starts top. Okay. I do have one more question. Yeah, one more question. So yeah. uh, in regards to answering the marriage question, are we forgiven now that we, you know, um, it says, uh, do you need to ask forgiveness or is just getting married making it right? You know, they were living together, they got married, so just just Well, you've confessed your these texts that they're sending to us is already confession you knew it was sin. Right. The Bible mm-hmm. says if we confess our sins, he is faithful to just Amen. to forgive us our sins. You've also confessed to us. You've covered it. Yeah. You're covered. Let me just tell you right now. Well, this was actually Enjoy somebody your else speaking speaking out asking that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, they're covered. <laughs> they're covered. Yep. I mean, the Bible the New Testament tells us to confess our sins to God. First John 1 John 1.9, and it tells us to confess our sins to one another, James chapter 5. You've done both. <laughs> you're good. Uh, you're forgiven, and uh, I can't think of, a, again, a better way to answer that problem than yeah. to get married. That's good. All right, so verse 10, to the married. And now when he says to the married, he's talking about to Christians who are married to Christians. He says, not I, but the Lord, I give you this charge. Now notice the not I, but the Lord in verse 10. He's being serious. He's like, this. there's no question here. This is God's word for you. Don't get divorced. If you are a Christian married to a Christian, 
You have no right to divorce one another. Again, outside of sexual morality, infidelity, and I think, you know, it goes without saying, abuse and uh, complete abandonment. Mm. I mean, if, if your husband's abusing you, he's not a Christian. I'm sorry, he's just not. If he's abandoning, if, if your wife is abandoning you, she's not a Christian. Right. The, 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 the lifestyle is not a Christian lifestyle. So anyway, if you're two Christians and you're just unhappy because you're married, divorce is never God's way. Right. And that's exactly why he says this is a charge. And it's not I, Paul says. This is not my advice. This is the Lord's word. So you can't get tired of your husbands and you can't get tired of your wives and say, I'm going to go find someone better for me. And notice that he says in verse 10, the wife should not separate from her husband. He doesn't even mention the husband's first. He mentions the wives first. And this, I thought about this because I've had this experience. There's a lot of Christian women, a lot of Christian women. I call them, you're too spiritual for your own husband mm. because your husband's not at the level of Christianity you want him to be at. And so you think now I'll justify divorcing him because he's not really that Christian. Right. No, that's not what you should do. No, it's not what Paul says. And, I, and I've had this from experience as a pastor, so many women who I don't talk to them anymore. This is why I stopped counseling. But these women who used to come to me, my husband doesn't pray enough. My husband doesn't lead us in devotions. My husband doesn't do this. Okay, is he a follower of Jesus though? Because mm. don't put, again, don't put rules where God doesn't put rules. Don't, don't hold him to this legalistic standard of righteousness that's, that's, unex, that's un, unattainable by any man. Right. Um, I don't lead our family in devotions. You know, Cheryl teaches our children about Jesus. She yeah. was teaching Jake about Jesus last night. She had a great story about that. I saw the picture. <laughs> um, but, you know, I am not sitting there opening the Bible, preaching to my kids and my family, friends. Please don't have this image of me at my church. We have like the stained glass room where we're in there and I'm teaching the Bible. First off, I don't think you guys would come. No. <laughs> Even no. if I did it, I you wouldn't come. <laughs> you know, this is what I do for a living. This is what I do for a living. This is yeah. not what I do in my home. In my home, I'm a dad. In my home, I'm a father. In my home, I'm a husband. And I, that's my, rec- my, my, my place to be a, a normal, quote-unquote, human being where I have a family. And, uh, you know, our kids learn through our conversations. We don't sit down and have devotions with them. We have conversations about life, about things. When things come up, we talk. Remember in Deuteronomy chapter 6, he says, talk about these things with your children as you walk along the road, as you sit in your house, as it comes up, you talk about the faith with your kids. You don't have to sit there and say, okay, open your Bibles, and right. we're going to go through this, and verse by verse. And Man, again, don't put rules where God doesn't put rules. That's yeah. not to say that you shouldn't do that. Yeah, it's people a good thing. People want to do that. I it's mean, a good thing. do that and do it in a great way. We just But there's a lot of women out there. Their husbands don't do all that. They feel like their husbands aren't being spiritual. And then the guy feels like, well, I don't know how to teach the Bible. And he's like up a creek without a paddle, and now he can't please the wife, and so she withholds sex, and before you know it, they're all messed up. Yeah. yeah. Okay, don't do that to your spouse. Uh, it need, you need to chill out, but you can't get divorced just because you're unhappy with your uh, Christian spouse's spiritual life. That's just unacceptable. And who knows? God can restore it. Yeah, he says don't, if, you do, if you do separate, remain unmarried, and then be reconciled. Right. And I've said this from the pulpit, and, 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 and I believe this is scripturally advisable. If you're in a terrible Christian marriage right now, separate for a while. Separate for a while. And live apart. And then seek to be reconciled yeah. with each other. Paul says it right there in the text. So then he says to the rest in verse 12. Now again, to the rest. So these are not Christians married to Christians. These are Christians married to non-Christians. Now he's addressing a different person. And now notice he also says, I, not the Lord. So this is my advice. Paul says, this is not a Lord's command, but this is my advice based on what I think the Lord would say, that if you are married to an unbeliever and they are okay with you, you don't go and divorce them just because they're an unbeliever. That's not proper for God's people either. He says, if any woman has a husband who is not a believer and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving spouse is made holy because of the believing spouse. Otherwise, he says, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. Okay. So I think this is pretty self-explanatory, but Paul is saying, as a Christian, you're aiming for fidelity. You're aiming for faithfulness because you are a Christian. If you, marry, if you are married to a non-believer, their non-believing status does not therefore give you an excuse to get out of the marriage. That's leveraging your Christianity for something that Christianity is nothing about. And so when you practice unfaithfulness in marriage, even if they're unbelievers, you're actually not reflecting uh, Christianity and, and God and the faith at all. Yeah. Uh, so you should stay married. And then he says, 
your children would be on your children are clean because of your marriage and these are confusing phrases let me go to verse 15 and then I'll, I'll clean this up he says but if the unbelieving partner separates let it be so in such cases you're not enslaved so if they want to leave then yes you can leave and then you can i believe scripturally you can marry another person because your unbelieving spouse gave right. up on the marriage sure but then he says in verse 16 the last verse we're not talking about for how do you know, wife, Christian wife or Christian husband, whether you will save your husband or how you know, Christian husband, whether you will save your unbelieving wife? So he's not saying that you save them um, um, spiritually. He's saying that you can have, as a Christian, a strong Christian influence and presence in that marriage that will possibly lead your non-believing spouse to Jesus. Right. Mm. And we've had many cases where this has been the the uh, reality in our church, even amongst the leaders of our church. Yeah, oh, you and I. <laughs> no, yes, boy. Cheryl led me to the faith. <laughs> I actually had a story the other day where this woman uh, said the exact same thing, where she was coming to our church. Her husband was coming at her. He's with another woman. They're separated, and she's sleeping. He's sleeping with another woman, but she's staying faithful and in prayer and knowing, thinking, praying that God's going to bring him back. Wow. You know? So that that's really living this advice. Yeah, that is. That's definitely living this advice. And even, yeah, and, you know, to just to bring that up, like if I have a per, if you do experience sexual infidelity in your marriage, married Christians to married Christians, uh, to Christians or married uh, Christians married to non-Christians, the 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 uh, allowance for divorce in that situation is still not God's best. Right. He would rather you forgive and move forward. Again, if it repeats and it repeats and it repeats sure. and it repeats, get out. <laughs> okay. Um, but if it's like a once or you know they've repented and they've come back, okay, you know, work it so out. So what would yeah. you consider being faithful? Like, what if somebody was a drug user? Yeah, that's I mean, a. I don't think it's just. Yeah, but the text. Let's not put this into the text. Let's no, just no, no, address the that. text as sexual right. infidelity. I'm just uh, saying weak causes for divorce. I mean, that's the, yeah. Again, because that's know. an issue too. A lot of people struggle with. Well, that. I mean, doesn't Paul write that Moses gave you this law because because of the hardness of your hearts? Right. But again, let's let's not t- take that text because what he's saying in that text. Uh, that that what was happening in that original context was the Israelite men were marrying a woman, uh, neglecting her because maybe she got old or she had kids or whatever, and they were just done with her, and so they would marry another woman, and then they would they wouldn't divorce the first woman, so she was by law joined to him, and she had no rights in those days, and so God gives this provision: write her a certificate of divorce so that she can go and get married to somebody who will love her and appreciate her. Right. That's what that text is about. That you can't take that and, and apply. I don't think into the New Testament context, but I do think, Cheryl, that's a great question. Only yeah. because I've had a couple of women really struggling with. Share it's, with me. Yeah, it's a common struggle, modern. Like, what do I do? You know, definitely. So okay, yeah. they're unbelievers, obviously. Then. Well, some of them claim to be. Claim. Yeah. Okay. I know, so but we I'm look at saying. the fruit, right? Yeah. Um, they need a lot of prayer. Uh, I would suggest fasting. I would suggest. Um, but counseling? what I'm asking is, is that a reason for divorce? No, I don't think it's a reason for divorce. I even if they don't, even if they don't what? Change. Uh, know, it's a hard a one. one. I think that Paul, if I if I have the mind of the Lord here, and Paul again is even saying this is my advice. Okay, so this is not a command from the Lord. Right. He's saying this is my advice. You got to see it as you have a potential here to see this person saved through your witness. Reconciled. Now, yeah. if they don't change, okay. Well, how long has it been? Has it been decades? Has it been a decade? Has it been five years? Has it been a month? Okay, well, these things you got to take on a case-by-case basis. So I think that, um, you know, the the aim for you, Christian wife, Christian husband, married to somebody who is really not living the Christian life, is your job is to be a witness to, of Christ to that person. Oh, and, and this, I just want to qualify one thing. If you're not married and you're a Christian, don't go marrying a non-Christian. Yeah. Don't be a fool. Think about these discussions that we're having oh. now. Don't be an idiot. That's the stupidest thing you can do I, I, to marry a non-Christian. A people that start even dating a non-Christian, they stop coming to church, they fall away, and then they come back three, four years later and everything in their life is wrong. Yes. You know? and, and here's the response of these little pe- these little brats. Yeah. Is they want to say, well, you Christians, you always want to limit my freedom. You want to limit, you don't understand we're in love. No. Look, look, lady. Look, man. <laughs> you marry the non-Christian. We're not suffering. No, we're trying to help. We're trying to help you. Yeah. You're, we're not going to have to deal with your kids struggling between two faith systems. 
Right. We're not going to have to struggle with you, the fact that you want to get serious about the Lord suddenly three years into your marriage and they don't want anything to do with them. Mm-hmm. We're talking about what's good for you. Yeah. So please don't think it's like we're trying to limit your freedom. We're trying to help you. And, and that's what God's trying to do. Here are these rules because things will go well with you. Yeah, they're, they're, it will go well with you. Exactly. But, you know, a case-by-case basis, Cheryl, I think, is the, is the answer to that. And a Christian has to see is you're in that marriage and you have the potential, again, potential, to see that person come to Jesus. Mm. You know, in First Peter, he talks about this. In First Peter 3, he says, Likewise, wise you know, submit yourselves to your husband so that even if they don't obey the word, even if they don't obey the word, in other words, even if they are Christian in name only, even if they're not a Christian because they don't obey the word, whatever it is, they may be one without word, without your words, but by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, this is 1 Peter 3, don't let your adorning be external. In other words, you're not going to win them by your beauty, but let your adorning be the hidden person of a heart, of, the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is in God's sight very precious. In other words, wives with unbelieving or Christian name only husbands, you have uh, the power to change him through a humble spirit, a gentle spirit, not nagging, not beating down the door, not harassing him about every way he's wrong, but rather living with him gently and, and lovingly. And, and you know what? Here's my final answer on this. If Jesus wins us over, by not bashing us over the head with the law and pushing down the doors of our hearts and demanding that we repent, if he wins us rather by humbling himself and going to the cross and giving up his life and his rights and his power and his authority on that cross, if that's how Jesus chose to win over us who were his enemies, the MO is translated into our lives as Christians to win over non-Christians, not by banging down the doors, not by forcing them to believe, not by arguing with them, not by nagging them, but by doing what Jesus did for us. Amen. That's, Amen. How, I would set, that's how I would sum that up. We have gone over time, but it has been a good time. Hot topic. Let me just finish up at the, the big three. I always have to have a big three. The big three is, in summary, Christians must not let the world's distortions create unnecessary avoidance of God's good things. Number two, for Christians, both marriages and singleness are sacred. So you might be called. That's good. Don't, don't despise it. Number three, God can use your situation and you to accomplish his purposes in your life. Don't give up on it. Hope you've had a good time with us today. We'll see you next week. This was The Deep End. Thanks for joining us for this week's Deep End podcast. We pray that you continue to grow in your faith and that you would serve and support your local church. If you don't already have a church home, we invite you to join us this weekend at Waters Church. We are located at 57 John Deach Square in North Attleboro, Massachusetts. And you can join us every Saturday at 4 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.30 a.m. Make sure to stay tuned in for next week's episode of The Deep End Podcast.